Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Still hear some pages turning. I'll wait for you. You can flip on your iPhone, pull out the iPad, whatever you like. Romans chapter 5, verses verses 1 through 11. Hear now the words of the Lord. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in a hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Those are the very words of God. Amen? Amen. There are several things about prison culture that intrigue me. Um, And if that's been your personal experience, just bear with me for a moment. Uh, But I remember when I was in school, I took a course, and the entire course was traveling through prisons, maximum security children institutions, and we got to sit with teenagers who had murdered people and talk with them. Um, maximum security women's institutions and got to hear some stories there. Maximum security men institution. Um, and obviously a prison is not uh, your first choice place to, to live, right? Um, there's, there's a particular show that, that I really like. It's called Lock Up. And this show will, it goes inside of institutions and they'll take a camera and, and they just go through the whole life of an inmate. And they'll talk with these uh, prisoners and, and they talk with them and, and these prisoners begin to open up and share their stories of how they got to this point. Uh, there's a particular case in which uh, they take these uh, personal cameras, digital cameras, and they leave them inside the cell, and they instruct the inmates, they tell them, look, you can, you can share whatever you like. And then they walk away. And you just wouldn't believe some of the things that these guys begin to share about their lives. I watched one episode, and uh, this, it was a big black guy. I mean, this dude, his muscles had muscles. Like, this was a huge dude. I mean, he was tatted on every inch of his body. But I watched him weep in front of the camera. And he talked about his life. And he talked about how he had murdered multiple people and how sorry he was. Not that he had been sentenced to a substantial sentence, but that the families could never be with their loved ones anymore. And here is a guy, he'd been tried and convicted, and there's nothing else to be said 
but yet he's still sorry. That messed me up watching that brother. Then there's another episode in which um, there's a particular prison in the U.S. And they go into this particular prison and there's a wing in this prison and it's filled with ex-gang members. So here in this one wing, you have um, guys who are a part of the Aryan Brotherhood, uh, black gang members, Latino gang members, um, all of these gang members, ex-gang members, with their tattoos and their hoods and different gang affiliations tatted all over them in the same unit. Imagine what that would be like. These guys, in order to get in this this unit, um, they had to agree to basically put down their affiliation with their gangs. And it blew my mind to see these guys sitting around the same table, slapping down dominoes and playing cards with one another after they had been through all they had been through. And in this episode, it's just... You have to see it for yourself. But in this episode, you have these men. And one of the things they do, they call it a bird call. And when one of the birds, or one of the birds, which are inmates, have flown out of the cage. And they've gotten out of line. And so they call it a bird call. And then they get together when there's a conflict between two people. They get together, they link arms, and they pray. Right in the middle of the dormitory. And I watched these men from different places, different backgrounds, different former gang affiliations link together and pray to God together. And it blew my mind. Here you have guys who have big problems. Guys who are away from their children, guys who are away from their loved ones, many of them who will never see the light of day again, but they have some big problems, mind you, but yet they are trusting in an even bigger God. I saw them, 30 men, link up and began to cry out to God and and to pray for God's healing, God's restoration. God's solving of problems. They began to pour their hearts out to God together in public with all the other inmates looking at them. These guys had big problems, but yet they served an even bigger God. And I think when we peer into this text, what we're going to see from Paul is Paul making much of a big problem of sin, but yet he is making much of an even bigger God. Paul lets us know that yes, we have a problem of sin. Yes, it's pretty bad for us and there's nothing we can do to get out of it apart from Jesus. But Paul then puts up before us Jesus Christ and he hails him as king and he lets us know you might have a problem but there is nothing bigger than Jesus Christ. He confronts us with the gospel this morning. Before we dive in, I want to speak from the subject, big problem, but even bigger God. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers. You listen and you answer. We may not answer them how we want all the time, but you are a God who hears us 
And You answer us and You care for us. And we thank You for that this morning. Father, I pray in this moment that You would be present all the more. Thank You for Your presence in worship this morning. We thank You for Your presence in confession. Thank You for Your presence in reading Scripture corporately in corporate prayer together, Father. And we pray that in this preaching moment that Your presence would be real, God. God, would You speak to us? Nah. <laughs> um. So we're jumping back in Romans this week. Some of y'all was like, what in the world did he, what was that? I got a little something in me, you know. Huh? Um, we're jumping back into Romans this week. And uh, let me tell you what I love about Romans. I love that Romans put forth, puts forth deep theology, but yet grace. Um, and so it's, it is a book of theology in one hand, but yet it is a book of deep, deep grace. Just a quick recap, we of course want to continue to remind you that Romans 16 is our thesis of the book. Paul says, for I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power, the ability of God to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, first to the Jew but also to the Greek. Paul continues in Romans 1 by saying, God has revealed himself to us by the things that were made. He says, and you are without excuse. I've shown myself to you by the things that were made. Romans 2, Paul points to the reality that God is loving. He is a loving God, but yet he is a God of judgment. In Romans 3, Paul helps us to sober up a little bit with these statements that none are righteous, no, not even one, no one seeks after God. And if I would say it in my Memphis vernacular, he'd say, y'all got some problems. Or he say, man, man, something, something ain't right, man, man. Um, we've got some issues. <laughs> that same message oozes into our passage this morning. That apart from faith in Jesus, you and I have no ability to stand before a righteous and a holy God apart from Jesus. But hear this, yes, there is a big problem of sin, but an even bigger God reveals that we can confidently, we can confidently be assured of where we stand with Christ. Did you hear me this morning? We, you and I, we can confidently be assured of where we stand with Christ. Look at verse 1 through 2 with me. Therefore, since we have been justified, we've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Did you notice that? We have peace with God. We have access into God's grace. Paul says, once you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, look no further. You found what you've been looking for. This lets us know that our salvation is complete. Our salvation is final. And nothing can rob us of it. And what, 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 what catches my understanding here is we can be confident. We can have faith in God because these things catapult us to this confidence. He says, we have peace with God. We have access into God's grace. See, many of us are longing 
for peace. Many of us are. We're, we're longing for the peace of God, but we don't have peace with God. And the reality is, you cannot have the peace of God as you're going through deep, dark circumstances if you don't have peace with God. See, the peace with God is mending the broken relationship. There was this perfect relationship before that Adam and Eve sinned. And you and I were in perfect fellowship with God. And what, what, once they sinned, we inherited this sickness called sin. And we no longer have the peace of God. We don't have peace with God. And that's exactly why God needed to send Jesus. And instead of having peace, we have hostility. We have brokenness. We're enemies of God. And if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection this morning, you're in trouble. Let me just be clear with that. Let me just be up front. Paul says, because of that confident assurance, we rejoice because one day we'll experience, get this, full glory of God. We have confidence and one day we're going to experience the full glory of God. Because we have the peace from God when we know Jesus. Paul is saying through faith in Jesus, transformation is real. Transformation is final. And transformation is certain. And I I love this. I, I saw this video of this guy. This guy is nuts. He was hugging lions. Did anybody see that? This dude is nuts. So here he is um, in the wild in Africa, uh, rolling around with wild lions. These aren't like zoo lions. Those are different kind of lions. These lions have been born and bred in captivity. They eat other animals. These are real lions. Anyway, so this guy is in the wild in Africa, and he'll jump out of his Jeep, and he'll stand with his cargo pants um, and, and his crazy bed hair, and he'll stand there in the middle of the bush, and he's calling these lions to him. That's some confidence, right? That, that's some confidence. And here these massive lions come. They're like three times his size. This is real stuff. Uh, and they're three times his size, and they jump upon him, and he's like, oh, hey, big baby. Like, <laughs> what? Y'all got to be honest. Like, black folks are good for a lot of things, um, but it's, we are not good for playing with lions. Like, if you ever hear of a person getting eaten by a lion, it's probably not us. Let, I mean, now, you may hear us doing other things. Um, probably not being mauled by a lion. But anyway, this brother had some confidence, right? He had some deep, deep confidence to stand in the middle of the wild and to hug on these lions and lionesses. And he's named them all. He doesn't understand that if they get hungry enough, he's probably the first to go. But he has some confidence to do this. And what Paul is telling us this morning is that we ought to have confidence in our salvation. 
Because through faith, we experience justification, which is being declared righteous. And that faith that comes before us being justified helps us to rest in the reality that Jesus really did come. And he really did live. And he really was slaughtered for us. He loved us that much. And he really did raise again from the dead. We can have confidence this morning and assurance in the salvation because Jesus didn't waste himself. We can really have confidence in who Jesus says he is. See, Paul is pointing to that this morning. What this means for us is that you and I don't have to worry. Look at verse 9 with me. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. We can have confidence this morning. Why? Because of the blood of the Lamb. Because of the blood of a sacrifice. What does Paul say? We shall be saved. You don't have to doubt. If you've believed in Jesus, you shall be saved. If your hope is in Him, you shall be saved. If your confidence is in Him. Paul says, since you've been declared righteous by faith, you can rest assured that God will keep His word. Secondly, we have a big problem because of our sin, but an even bigger God because Jesus took our place. And I love this so much. It's one of the sweetest scriptures in all of the Bible. Paul says this, look at it with me. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Let let that just sink in for a minute. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While you were still neck deep in your sin, Christ died for you. While you were still entrenched in your brokenness, Christ died for you. What does this mean? He did not wait for you to clean yourself up first. He didn't wait for you to do better so you can merit your way into the kingdom. While you were still messed up, He died for you. Come here, Mike, for a second. Come on stage. While you were still in your brokenness, I'm just going to put some stuff on Mike. While you were drowning in sin, Christ died for you. He didn't wait for you to clean yourself up first. Still in your addictions. Christ died for you. You got baggage from old relationships. You holding on to stuff. Mm. How about how about that uh, that pornography addiction? Still holding on to it. He died for you. How about not caring about your identity in Christ while you were still drenched in your own sin? Christ died for you, but not only did he die, get what he did. He took your place. 
So what he said for you is, I'm not going to leave you in this condition. You know what? I'm going to take it for you. And I'm going to become the sin that you committed. And I'm going to carry it for you. Because you can't do it alone. And I'm going to march with it. All the way to the cross of Calvary. I'm going to bear the weight of your sin. For you. Because I love you that much. And he took it all upon himself. Why? Because he loved you. And he cared for you. Do you know that Jesus this morning? Have you found hope in the Jesus? Have you found satisfaction in the Jesus that didn't wait for you to clean yourself up first? In the Jesus who would take you and who died for you when you were entrenched in your own addictions. When you were serving yourself. When pride got the best of you daily. He died for you. He took it upon himself. Carried your baggage. He became your and my baggage. Jesus loved us that much. He loaded himself down. Christ did not wait for us to perform well enough to merit the death of Jesus. Jesus came when we didn't care for his attention or his affection. Jesus came when our affections were attached to other things. And Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2, But God, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And you know what that tells me, what Paul is saying there? Christ, through his death, made us alive. Dead people can't reach out for God. Dead people can't say, save me. He chose you and made you alive by his own doing. What good news is that this morning? That you don't have to be better, that he will accept you right in the mess that you're stuck in. And this morning, Paul would say, I implore you to know Jesus. And I would do the same this morning. There's nothing or nobody who can love you that kind of way. There is nothing you serve or put your hope in that can love you that kind of way. There is no ex that can love you like that. There is no amount of money that can love you that way. There is no approval of people that can love you like that. Took the burden upon himself. Jesus says, would you believe in me? He says, believe. And the last thing is, Jesus has given us... A work to do. Jesus has given us a work to do. Look at verse 10 with me. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. 
more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Did you catch that? Reconciled. Reconciled. Reconciliation. Reconciled. Reconciled. Reconciliation. Paul is drilling this into our minds. That we can now change. We can change through faith in Jesus Christ. We can change our proverbial Facebook status. From enemy to friend. When Christ reconciled us, He changed our relationship status from enemy, from one having enmity between us and God, to friend. He changed our status. Not only did He change our status, but He's called us to do some work. Since we have been reconciled, but we've also received, get this, the ministry and the message of reconciliation. God wants to make an appeal through you and me to the city of Memphis. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 with me. It says this. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us, get this, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. See, we've been reconciled. And now God has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. God's saying, I didn't just save you for you. I didn't just call you out of darkness for your own personal sake. I didn't just save you so that you can spend time in the prayer closet, so that you can spend time fasting on your own. But I saved you that you may impact where you live and where you work and where you do life. I've saved you. And you belong to me. How much so? You are my ambassador. We are to represent Christ. The Christ that has loved us with his own life and with his own blood. We're his ambassadors. Paul saying, Your walk with Jesus by faith in Christ, it's final, it's complete. It's real. And he's saying, Jesus stood in your place for your sin. He died the death that you should have died. And Paul's saying, because of those things, I've got some work for you to to do. You are my ambassador. 1960 in the Summer Olympics in Rome, um, there's a guy by the name of Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali who won a gold medal. Muhammad Ali, of course, is a beast. He can float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. The dude is a beast. He's a bad son of a... No, I'm just joking. Um, This guy can box his brains out. And here he is in the Summer Olympics. He wins a gold medal. And he's 
standing on the platform above all of the other boxers. They're playing the Star Spangled Banner. His name is probably in the lights. And then he goes back to the United States and tries to walk into a diner. And they tell him he's got to go around back. And I can imagine Muhammad Ali's response. You mean to tell me that I am an ambassador for the United States? I, I, I've just, I represented the United States in Rome, in a different country. I, I won a gold medal for this country. And you mean to tell me I can't walk through this front door and sit at this counter and have a meal with my friend? They denied Muhammad Ali that opportunity. And the story goes that Muhammad Ali would take his gold medal and he would chuck it in the Ohio River because he was disheartened. He won a gold medal for the United States. He represented us in the Olympics. He was an ambassador for the country. And I think what we look at this text, what we see here is Paul saying... You and I are ambassadors. And no, we don't have our privileges stunted like Muhammad Ali did. But when we are ambassadors, we're called to represent Jesus Christ in this city. But you know what we get? We get all the privileges of a son or a daughter. We've been adopted. There's nothing holding us back. Jesus welcomes us at the counter to sit down and have a meal with him. Because we are his ambassadors. I would challenge you guys. Who who do you think ought to be the first ones feeding the poor in this city? It ought to be us, the church. Who, Who ought to be the first ones building relationships with the homosexual community in this city? It ought to be the church. Why? Because the Bible says that God is making an appeal through you and I. If God is making an appeal through you and I, are the ones who need to hear that appeal getting to hear the message from God? You are representation from the King. So in your schools, in your workplace, in your home, in your own marriage, in your dating relationships, you are a representation of the King. Jesus says, I loved you enough with my own life. I loved you enough with my own blood. Would you believe in me? Would you trust me with your whole heart and your whole life? Every eye closed and every head bowed in this moment. I know that there's got to be someone here who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And maybe you've been investigating opportunities to come to know Him. Maybe you've been just listening in. But I want to tell you this morning that Jesus has lived a perfect life. He died a death that you and I should have died. And He rose again from the grave. If you do not have faith in those realities, you don't know Him. But there is an opportunity to know Him this morning. And I want to extend that opportunity to you this morning. If you've never had an opportunity to come in relationship with Jesus Christ, and you would like that opportunity to believe in Him, to trust in Him, and to have Him bear your sin like we talked about earlier, would you just slip your hand in the air in this moment? I want to pray for you. If you want to know Jesus, if you want to walk with Him, would you just slip your hand in there in this moment? You can put it down. There is still an opportunity for you to know Him. He is available for you to walk with you to give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. He loves you more than you begin to know. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for standing in our place, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for bearing the weight of our sin. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for living a perfect life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying the death that we should have died. For raising again from the grave, God, with all power. Thank you, Father, that even the ones who lifted up their hands, you love them, God. And Lord, you knew them before they were formed in their mother's womb. I thank you. Lord, you know the hairs that are numbered on their head. You know every worry that they have. And so, Father, I pray that you would intervene. That your spirit would continue to draw them to yourself. Father, I pray that you would grab hold of them. And Lord, I pray that they won't turn back. They would walk with you. Through the good, the bad, and the ugly, Father, I pray that they would trust you. No matter what they have to go back to, Father, I pray that you would be the lifter of their heads. Would you be their joy in the midst of sorrow, Father? Would you be Jehovah Jireh for them, their provider, O God? We thank you. Lord, we'll be faithful 
to give you all the praise and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.